Vegas or Pahrump. <laughs> sort of Vegas. Pahrump. So Ryan Compton, president of Audi Club. Uh, thanks for Hello. being here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. You just got back from Vegas driving the RS3. So I want to get to that in a minute. But before I do, we never do this. There are never any ads in these uh, podcasts. And for whatever reason, maybe someday there will be, but it's fun to not have to deal with that now. Regardless, I'm going to do an ad right now. We are currently giving away a 1985 Audi Quattro Coupe. Uh, we'll be giving away actually at the beginning of July. And it's our, our we do these sweepstakes each year as a fundraiser for Audi Club. And this year is our first attempt at doing a vintage car. And uh, it's pretty rad. I mean, not to do a double entendre there, but it's 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 uh, 185, so it's rare. I think they only sold like 75 or so in the U.S. that year, give or take three or four. This car has a 20-valve swap from, a, I believe, a 94S. What would that be, an S6 or an S4? I can't remember, 94. It, whatever, it's the same. Either whether S4 or S6, it would have been the AAN 20-valve five-cylinder, which is more reliable from a, a fuel injection standpoint, whatever. It's more drivable. It's about double the horsepower. It's about 315 versus 160 stock, but fully built. You can see that on our site, www.audiclubna.org, where you can see uh, links to more on it or go.rallyup.com slash Audi Club Quattro sweepstakes to enter the sweepstakes. Again, any donation you give in this is, is uh, it benefits Audi Club and our programming during the year. So we appreciate it. We try and do cool stuff. This is yeah. again, our first time doing an old car. And uh, if it's successful, we do more. If it's not successful, we do less. So please buy often, buy many times. Hope you win the car. If I can plug it a little bit, it's, yeah. it, it, I actually got to drive it a, a tiny bit here recently. And uh, it actually, it feels like it drives more like a modern car frankly. I mean, it's still very engaged, but it, it leaves off the, the brakes feel great that they put on it. Um, it you know, the suspension's really lovely. There's a lot of really, uh, a, a lot of thought went into upgrading this car tastefully in a way that makes it look sleeper, but is a very enjoyable car to drive. Yeah. Other than the Euro lights, you'd be hard pressed to see that this is a, you know, anything but a US spec original or Quattro, but it's got, uh, like you mentioned, it's, it's, been totally gone through so that whether it was built about five thousand miles ago and it's the porsche brakes the fresh suspension uh short shift kit which feels way better than my original uh four thousand shifter that i have uh in in my own car the 20 valve all really well built really well sorted uh very thought through and we go into that in detail on the website we've also done a brand new set of recaro uh expert seats in it in leather to match the original interior it had um, the original seats were, were gone for some Recaros anyway. So we just went with some new ones and then we just put the Porsche classic head unit in there, which has like full car play operation. Really, really cool. Just a driver, something you can enjoy and, and have fun in. So again, that's go.rallyup.com slash Audi club quattro sweepstakes. And it's www.audiclubna.org at our main site. You can see links to, uh, to the sweepstakes there as well. So check it out. And if I do get this up to what today's June as we're recording this, uh, June the 2nd, tomorrow, we're going to run constant promotions between now and the end of June uh, to promote the sweepstakes, and it closes out at the end of June. So this is the last month if you want to get in on it or up your uh, chances to win. If you enter between uh, today and tomorrow, you could win a uh, – a, wrong side, and I'm corded, but uh, can I reach it? That's what I get for being on my corded headphones. A GT Spirit 
uh, RSX Tribute Edition as well. Uh, and uh, we'll be doing other stuff between now and let me drop that online. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing other stuff now between now and the end of the month too. So that's enough on the Sweep Six car. But again, please enter. Let's talk RS3. Yeah. Vegas or Pahrump. <laughs> sort of Vegas. Pahrump. Right. Yeah. Pahrump, yeah, Nevada. It was great. Great location, Pahrump, right at the border of Nevada and, and California. Um, it's certainly uh, very interesting uh, visuals everywhere. <laughs> it's not the space that I've spent a lot of time at. But Spring Mountain is a very cool facility. Um, three different tracks out there, 18 different possible configurations. And apparently it, it works like a uh, like a country club. Um, there are people with condos on it and can go out at you know certain times a day on different configurations of tracks and enjoy it so a couple of schools out there uh for for our purposes audi had reserved one of the three sort of tracks and had, and, and built a little um a little course on it um uh, you couldn't get full out lapping on it there were some slow down areas to basically keep uh, i think both the cars and the people uh from overheating and uh, though I will tell you, as much as I beat on these cars, uh, there wasn't uh, hardly a tick of movement on the uh, on the temp gauges. So uh, it was a lot of fun out there. Um, Spring Mountain was our base, and uh, and uh, we're able to sort of go out and drive it out and about, not just on the track. Got a couple of photos here. This might take the conversation a different way, right? Like, uh, <laughs> as those cars were there, but let's uh, let's see. There's there's the RS RS three on the track. Yeah, so uh, unbelievable views. You don't really notice it when you're when you're uh, driving it, but this is on track at Spring Mountain. Um, they had done these uh, press photos uh, the day, I think the day before we got there. Um, and uh, yeah, to to vary the the lead a little bit here, obviously you're seeing some other hardware that Audi had brought along um, for us uh, to enjoy with our eyes if not, if not enjoy driving, but, uh, it was a really interesting conversation when they, they surprised us with, uh, with showing up these, these unbelievable legends, uh, with the cars, the, the idea that they kind of previewed when we first sat down and they were giving us the briefing about the new RS3 was the idea of like, here's the lineage, right? We're coming down from, you, you if you're looking at your, your five-cylinder quattro, um, in some cases uh, coupe, some cases four doors, um, but these, you know, what were pretty traditional uh, car shapes uh, being turned into these monster race cars that did such unbelievable, uh, had such amazing wins. So, you know, definitely starting from the from the Group B, you were just showing there. Yeah, for the benefit of people who are just listening. For those really watching in the know on Facebook and other social platforms, Audi Tradition has four cars in country this year for uh, use by Hoonigan. Uh, they're, of course, doing the Gymkhana stuff this year with Audi. And then uh, and some other some other things they're hoping to do this year, too, will probably be at Monterey. But but the cars, then these four cars that came in, there were photos of them at the airport. I think they went through Chicago O'Hare when they were shipped in. It's a uh, an A2 Group B spec rally car. That's a driver. Uh, I don't know if it has much of a racing pedigree, but it's one they regularly use. That's the one, in, if you can see the photo here, it's the yellow one in the back. 
Uh, and the next coming forward is a, a an S one. Which, which if yeah. I can interrupt there, what you've been sort of naming your Urquacho project. Oh, the project car, yeah. It's literally on the side of this car. Yeah, I, does it right on the side of this car? I'd be curious about each tradition knows. I've asked a couple people, so I have a shirt. I actually threw that. That's I scanned it off the side of the car and like made a t-shirt out of it where it says Bad Homburg, which is actually Baden Homburg. There's a, there's a it's a town in Germany, but I've had a couple Germans who are like, why do you have that on your shirt? <laughs> like it makes no sense. <laughs> so, well, because it was on the side of the um on the side of the rally car, and it kind of sounds like German, but bad hombre. I don't know. It's, yeah. I just kind of dig yeah. it. But I don't know if that was a Walter Rohr thing. I think it was on more than his car, though. I don't know why they're on the car. Did, did they say anything or do you know? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I pointed it out and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's on there. I guess no real conversation about it. <laughs> Just as a, a quick timeout, and you could edit this part, but do yeah. they, uh, is the Hootigan part actually known? That people know that they're, the cars are, I think it's okay to leave this in. I'm not going to say anything that I'm not allowed to share, but um, yeah. the, the, the photos popped of the car. I think they were one of the European airports in the air freight. And then they went through Chicago and air freight. Both of those photo sets made into like the small chassis Audi group or maybe pre 95, one of the bigger old Audi groups on Facebook. And Brian Scotto of Hoonigan kind of came in and was like, you're welcome. Right. So like, so he kind of confirmed that they were there. Uh, And so they are in country for obvious reason or for, you know, reasons we can guess. Right. But Hoonigan is definitely filming this year and filming Ginkana uh, at some point through uh, this summer or whenever. Um, And, uh, and these are in some point associated with, with them, but also here, I know from talking to Audi tradition, they're going to use them for other things too. Right. So they were able to get them here at the RS3 launch. Um, So really quickly, the, the, uh, the eight that at uh what would be an an a an a2 group b spec rally car which is the yellow one uh with a bad homburg on the side the next one which is of the traditional or quattro era is a sport quattro s1 e2 probably the craziest evolution of it like the s1 e2 is is most easily spotted it's a short wheelbase sport quattro but it's got all the wings and wedge shaping on it that had really more aero uh, michelle mouton kind of famously said i think she did pike speak with it uh, without the S1 E2, without the arrow, she did just the regular S1 short wheelbase. And, and when it got to the point where it was the E2, she was kind of like, it's a bit much. It's really skittish to drive. As, as I understand it, the nerd side of me is, so the, the S1 E2 you see here is the actual 1987 Pikes Peak winner, Walter Rural. If right. the if what I've heard is correct, it's actually also the 86 um, Bobby Unser uh, car as well but they just took it back and further evolved it for the next year. So it, the first year an E2 was run and or evolution to is what the E2 stands for at Pikes Peak was, uh, so Michelle wins in 84 and 85, uh, 86 is Bobby in an E2. Um, Michelle just ran a regular sport quattro S1. And, if, and then okay. with this one. So I think it was like, I think it was tube frame and all kinds of weird stuff going on in that car uh, by the time oh, it was done. This thing is bonkers one of my favorite things on it well two favorite things first of all i gasped when i saw it um i was sort of like oh my god it's like my my lego car in real life right uh the <laughs> the uh uh the, the chinese knockoff lego one of course right. i'm talking about which is quite good actually uh, but, go. but second <laughs> it's really good um uh, but also you won't see it unless you get up to the up close photos or look at some of my terrible photos but the paint over the center of the hood 
is clearly had been sort of semi-liquefied during its big run because oh. because it sat right over where the turbo is it just melted so there's like a bubble dome on the on the on the hood uh just to the in inside of the air vent i don't think um, i have i'm sure they're you're, you're looking at the official photos you'd have to look at yeah. my terrible photos to probably find it yeah um i don't have those staged unfortunately <laughs> but um but yeah, these were actually the cars, right? So they've got patina and wear and, you know, race damage or whatever on yeah. them. Um, and and that car, like I said, Pikes Peak uh, 87 won it. The next car in this group photo is the 200 Trans Am, which would have been, I believe, 88. So the one and done season, they ran it in uh, in Trans Am. And it won. That's one with like Hans Stuck and Hurley Haywood, uh, et cetera. That's the 44 car. I'm not sure if that's Hans or Hurley's car. I don't know if I can see it on the car. Um, uh, both of their names were on that car. Okay. Uh, and I think Walter Rural may have run that season a yes. bit too. All, all three of their names were on that car. And the, the, here's so I don't, the I'm other... wondering whether they ran, whether this is one of the like endurance, you know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a 12 or 24 hour, you know, maybe it was a, one of those races and it's all three of them, but I'm not sure. So they never did. Uh, in Trans Am, it only would have been short races, and then, uh, yeah. and then, it, so here's the other similarity to the to the Quattro's, right? Like the Trans Am was based on kind of a 200 chassis, like a road chassis, that they then built for the race car. By the time you get to the 90 IMSA GTO, which is the the car in the front of this photo, so these are the four, right? The A1 uh, Group B, the S1 E2 Pikes Peak, the Trans Am, and then the 90 IMSA GTO. These are the coolest of the cool five cylinder racing cars, and the, the MCGTO was going to uh, a tube frame bonkers. Uh, they built yeah, it. That nuts. Yeah. The other thing. So that would have been IMSA that they ran in 89 and they won the championship in, in the GTO class at least. But, but interestingly, they didn't run Daytona or Sebring that year because they, the car would, they were, they were fairly certain the car would not have held up that like I mean, they were, they were crazy fast. They make these amazing chirping sounds when they're off throttle and just really cool stuff. But um, but yeah, the fact that those are in the U.S. this summer is is literally, you know, at least you talk about five cylinder. That's the pinnacle, right? Like that's the also for those two cars. Uh, first time I'd seen the the fan of oh, the turbo the fan blade, yeah, on the on the wheels. Very cool. Have to be removed for transport. By the way, it was very fun to see. And we were uh, in Tebo. You must. I, I think you were there that year with me. I don't know. You must not have been walking around with us, but like. Was it two years ago at Monterey? You come at Monterey, yeah. yeah when, when uh, Zach Brown had he owns one of these Trans Am cars, yeah. and uh, he had been running it in the in the Monterey Historics that year. And I Zach came back in, and they were prepping the car, and uh, and I remember we were in the shop as they were working on it, and they had the turbo fans off, so they're like holding it. You can see the backside with all the you know the kind of aluminum pieces that yeah. had been welded on, and just really cool stuff bonkers cars yeah but so you're there to so, drive the rs3 <laughs> so yes probably exactly. switch back well, to switch gears and again they they you know saw this as a lineage thing right so right. you you go from those cars and then they say well then you have the first rs car right you've got the rs2 um you know bring that heritage then again way the lineage coming down and, and effectively saying like here you go here's your here's your last remaining five-cylinder quattro car 
Um, now it's left to be seen whether it is the final, um, right. but it's certainly certainly uh, last car standing with uh, the TTRS being sunsetted uh, this year, and um, and certainly the the last one with uh, with a the trick differential. Uh, I mean the uh, you know the torque splitter in the back. So very interesting car, and uh, you know they had they had a a, a set of different ones for us they had a set of them for set up for the for the track and a set of them set up for the street and by set up i mean literally just different tires um we did a road run on the normal um pirellis you know your normal street tires and then on the track and this is one very interesting thing um for for uh the american market uh for just 450 bucks uh you can get uh probably uh, P zero Trofeo R's, um, really? straight, you know, delivered on Trofeo R's for $450. Now, you know, those tires are probably $450 each. Um, so it's a, it's a nice little touch, you know, obviously not for ice, cold weather, <laughs> severe weather, anything yeah. else, but God, longevity, they're, right. They're not going to last forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're DOT, but they're 200 tread wear. So, you know, think like, those are the kind of tires you might use in an AER race or something, right? Um, right. Technically DOT, but but not going to last forever. But I will tell you, heck of a good track tire. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, what you're showing here, just a little minor aspect, what we're looking here too. Uh, two wheel choices. What you're seeing here is the is the matte black uh, wheel, um, and then there'll also be uh, a matte black with some silver accents those are probably on the yellow car if i had to guess um staged here so that quickly um but you're also seeing a number of things i, I will tell you it, what's interesting and uh this is going to be lead in my story but effectively like uh, congratulations america we we finally did it we got the better of the cars for the worldwide market um we get the fastest and loudest one um, we get the, the highest horsepower of any of the RS3s in market at 401 horsepower. We get something like eight more than the Europeans do. Um, and, and that's on tuning. We also get uh, the loudest RS3 because we there's some sort of um, particulate filter that the rest of the world has to have, but the US market does not have. So um, it's a, you get more of that great brash sound I'll tell you too, the sport exhaust, which I think is an option, um, is the thing to get. All of the track cars we had, I think maybe even all of the cars that they had out there had the sport exhaust on it. And unlike in past uh, where, the, where the bypass was on or off, it's actually variable. Um, and I believe, and I didn't get into setting this, so you know, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe an individual, you can actually set how much exhaust sound you want. Plus, I think right. it also is based on based on setting, you know, the tip in point at which it opens up and, and frees up is different. But God, it really does sound. I mean, I, I have not had the benefit of owning a number of five cylinder cars. So it's, it's a bit new for me. The best way I could think of it was like it sounds a lot like the V10, very V10, um, but but less. Yeah, less um, less screamy a little bit. But um, but it. Um, but is such a cool sound. I mean, it's such a, it's almost, I used to work in a Harley dealership and uh, you, you know, that sort of guttural bumbling sound is almost a, um, and then when it gets up on, you know, 
at high RPMs, it really sounds great. Um, sorry, I'm sort of scattered on this. Where do you want to start with it? Well, first of all, I, I did check the photos. I don't have a shot of the, the two-ton wheel. It's basically the same wheel, but like with a lot of things like on RS6 and RSQ8, you can do the mono, monochromatic, which I guess is just black, right? Or the or the two-tone black and silver. So um, I guess the, the where I would go is we know, let's see here I have, and I can share it. Uh, I don't know if it's out there yet, probably is, but the order guide, they're starting it at 58.9. It looks like of the cars on site you had, what well, one of them was optioned up to like 70, I think. Um, so some of these packages, so you've got a lot of your traditional stuff, but the um, a couple of things to note, I will say that one of the options that all of them had was the, the dynamic plus, um, you know, which puts your, your speed limiter up to 180, which is pretty, pretty intense. Um, they also, uh, I think all of them had the carbon package on them already. So that's another reason why you saw that pricing get up there. The Swore exhaust was on all of them, uh, which was great. I, I think that's a must do. I think the Trofeo R's are great if you're going to do uh, tracking. I, you know me, I can take or leave a carbon package. Um, but uh, the design package is interesting. So in that, you can, let's say, for example, if you get a Kailami green car, that's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Right. Is you get the, the RS design package. And there's a lot of great you know, looking bits inside, um, the seats are so, ringed in it. It's stitching is green, but your, your choices are basically black, red, or green, okay. black being nothing, black being no package. And then you can do a design package in green or red. So it looks like, uh, based on the, the guide, uh, with seat shoulders, like you mentioned, wrapped in green center of the bars for the air vents in green or red alternatively, I'm just looking at a green based car. Mm -hmm. Uh, floor mats with green stitching and RS logo, green edging on the seat belts, uh, carbon inlays, and center console trim, and high gloss black. So, just a cool look. Yeah, I it, and I, if you watch any of the, if we post up any of the videos I did in car, you'll see them easily. I mean, they're they're all over the place. I'm trying to see here the green cars. So we did not have. So we did have, let's see, the the uh, the um, Kimura gray car that I was driving out had the the package which has the black roof. Um, yeah. Anyway, we could show those later. But show um, some, yeah, so I have the, the press shots here, so we could show like the uh, what the I think I've got turbo blue, python yellow, and kailami green plus the group. Yeah, so we had those three out there. We also had Kimura gray car, and those Which are the is like four that, that they R8, had there. It's like that R8 color, right? That's kind of bluish. Yes, exactly. So, well. <laughs> so there you go. So you can see that. Okay, let me. Am I sharing? No. What that? I mean, you could. Yeah, I, I think that color, Kimura gray, is pretty subtle. Then there's like this, like right the. This is turbo blue, right? So kind of almost yeah. like the modern Nagaro. I mean, it's a little, it's a little Miami, uh, but uh, it's it's a nice looking car. Um, 
interestingly, they didn't have any of the uh, the red cars out there, but I, I did like I do like that red. And then what is it? There's one more color, I think. Uh, blanking on. There's a, there's only you know it's only a set of well, and then of course uh, exclusive is available on it. So right. if you want to go exclusive. Here are the cars that are that we had on or we that you had on hand. I'm assuming these things yet. Um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that yellow is new. It's called Python yellow. Um, it was a bit more buttery than uh, Vegas. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of because it has a pearl effect to it. Hmm. Um, which is interesting. Of course, Kailami happens because Anthony Garbus is involved. Uh, <laughs> big shout out to green, green car guy there. Um, so Anthony Garbus, he even product manager at Audi America, product manager at Audi right. America. So he even, he even checked it himself to say that, you know, the green car thing, he's trying to make it happen, uh, started with Sonoma green RS five, which of course is like one of my very favorite colors. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, so tell me about the event you guys, they yeah. had you into Vegas and then you go out to uh, Pahrump for, for Spring Mountain. And Spring Mountain, for those people, I know our SoCal chapter does a, uh, an yep. HPD or two there a year. Um, yeah, and, I think they were just there maybe a few weeks ago, maybe maybe a month ago. Okay. And they had you guys running, you mentioned on-road. There are effectively three segments, if you will. So we got there, I was in the second wave of uh, journalists slash influencers and uh, and uh, effectively we got there we had a little d- briefing about the car walked through some of the specs and the and the background and and how some things worked and then uh, half the group went and did road driving so um, effectively here Jay starting in Pahrump went through Death Valley you can see you can go up to Death Valley Junction there uh and then down to uh was it shoshone which i'm sure i'm saying incorrectly but effectively over over the hill into california and back it was about a two-hour drive um lots of interesting scenery lots of flat land uh for um uses in in ways which were discouraged but uh but uh were enjoyable um and uh and then the allegedly it allegedly, allegedly goes a certain speed. Yes. People people can allegedly drive quite quickly in the middle of nowhere. I, um, and just to give you a few points on that, I mean, the car is just like a freight train. Like it it didn't have any hesitation. It was 104 degrees out there. Um, I was, and quite frankly, just like motoring along, it, it actually is, um, it has two distinct personalities just driving it in you know whatever automatic mode or whatever it's tame i mean it could be uh it could be an a3 it could be an a4 i mean it's it's lovely the the new suspension in it uh is way better than the mag ride that it used to have is it? it's it's comfortable yeah it's it moves along you know and uh, it's just very easy to drive very comfortable you could click off miles on this thing it's not like some super aggressive i mean you know this with the with the modern RS cars, they're built to be tourers too. Uh, so it was very comfortable. Um, but even in automatic or whatever else, 
you kick down and you're you're gone. I mean, it just uh, it gets going. So and then you know, but if you're in if you're in RS mode, the thing is aggressive as as all get out. It'll it'll just be blazing fast. So did this loop through the appropriately named Death Valley. Very interesting drive. A lot of uh, interesting impressions on that. I really quite enjoyed it. I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of compromise in it. Right. I mean, it was fast. It's as fast as you need it to be. It is definitely, it's not quite RS6 arrest, get arrested fast, but it is fast, fast. I mean, you could do, you know, 140 and, and barely feel any wobble in it. I did not do 140. Maybe on the um, close course. <laughs> uh, on close course, I did get to 113. That was the highest yeah. indicator I saw on it. So that, so did the road loop back to Pahrumpf and then the group switched. The other group went out onto track and had a great time on track. The answer to your question though, then that evening after dark, after dinner, Audi had set up a, uh, they'd taken the skid pad area for this particular track and shaped a course out of cones and lights and everything else in the shape of an RS. <laughs> and then we, and then it was a drifting course. So one of the new modes for this particular car is this RS torque rear mode, which effectively takes this new trick torque splitter and kicks, you know, basically makes it effectively rear wheel drive car, but it allows it to do something that most of us, when we get out on the skid pad, can't do in our quattros, which is truly drift. And so it was sort of a challenge for all of us to try and do our best drift. Uh, and we each got a few tries of a, you know, pretty much as many as we wanted to, as it was going well into the night, up until the, there is a noise ordinance there, uh, as it was quite loud. We were using the street tires for that and, uh, you know, burning them up pretty test. good. Yeah. Well, so, and yes. I know- And then the, the next- one of the videos you shared was, I guess they had what a drone directly over top the RS pad. So when yep. you guys did the drifting around the R and the S, I guess what been uh, yeah, but, but yep. you could see the drifting. It was like shot directly yeah. above. So do you have it set up, or do you want me to try? I, I don't. I can yeah. If you want to share screen, and I don't know if we'll get the audio or not. Hold on. Let me see if I can even find it usefully it's cool because what it allowed was like a takeaway of just how how much of a drift car this car can be and i'm curious of the people what i find on press trips uh or i've found in the past is that like you kind of even though everybody are automotive journalists in this case you mentioned there were some lifestyle influencers too so like with lifestyle and influencers you never know what you're going to get was I was on a Pirelli launch once at like Las Vegas Motor Speedway and there was a dude who whenever he would go out he was like a rolling chicane and quite dangerous right because he would just go out and like cruise at like 35 miles per hour on the track and like Aventadors and whatever else not good right but so like I'm curious even just knowing amongst automotive skill sets can be quite wide in range and so I'm yeah. doing the drifting I like it sounds like a great exercise I saw your video I thought you did pretty well but I'm curious how like if Perhaps it, maybe the lesson was missed on some of the attendees. Yeah, yeah. I did. Okay, here. Let's just watch it quick.
it's it's too we, bad that it cuts off there because there is actually a long straight here that I was doing fishtails all the way down. <laughs> oh, were you? So the, we didn't get audio. So I'm curious for the audio folks, but like it also looked like it was like yellow smoke coming off. So was that, were they those tires that like, well, no, no, no. That was an effect that they added. Okay. That's, uh, they did that in post. Um, but that was just so that they could show the path. Yeah, it was entertaining. I will tell you, um, again, having been a mostly quattro driver, particularly on the track uh, outside of uh, the Spec 3, I, I had not really done any drifting before. Usually, I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive, quite frankly, um, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, it was enjoyable. Uh, uh, some people took to it quicker than others. Um, some didn't. I mean, you know, with the track, as you pointed out, like, there was a significant delta between times. And fortunately, I was, they were able to let me out first each time. Um, and they were only letting two, two to three cars out at a time. So, so this not swapping us out. We're just talking about like on track for times now, not not drifting, right? So yeah, correct. So let yeah, me yeah. Let, yeah, let me on the drifting. It was one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me let me give some some background on that thing because I know you're not you're not gonna humble brag on this one, but I'll brag for you. So one of the reasons uh, I was happy to, when I saw those track time on this event, I was happy to be sending you on this event because uh, you have a lot of experience, uh, both in your own, you've got a race prepped Mark 1 TT, so a Holdex car to begin with, uh, but but clearly very different from this car, uh, even though you have, you know, you have serious arrow on that car, et cetera, it's your track car, but you are a... Um, you've been event master, you've been, you've been instructor and, and, and in our own, in Audi club's own high performance driving education system. So like you, at the, in, as part of the Potomac chapter, you, you've got a lot of track experience to begin with. So putting you, I don't want to say you're a ringer, but putting you as our representative on track, uh, well, I'd like to think I could hold my own if I were in that situation. I certainly don't have the experience <laughs> you do. And so they, they put you out there and I think they logged times, correct? They did. They didn't tell anyone they were doing it the first day uh, uh, until that not, until we actually went out to do drifting. Then they then they mentioned the the times. Okay, and and of that time, no, again, you had a mix of people, but but like some serious magazines represented, like Motor Trend was there. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah. I won't say who because I don't want to, but but like at the same time, because uh, they're good folks, all of them. But but yeah. what what was your time uh, in the rankings compared to everybody else in your wave? Well, in my in my wave, I had the fastest time by about three seconds, um, uh, on a on a minute and thirteen or fifteen seconds. No, mine was a minute fifteen in that first day. Um, yeah, and so then I, I had it in my head to go in the next day to try and chase down uh, Matt Ferris' time. He was the only person ahead of me. He was not there when I was even there. The, he was the, wave one. So wave yeah. before he had the fastest time in wave one. So I, I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to get out there and do and chase down his time. And then I thought, you know, maybe I should actually just get some video for the for the club <laughs> instead of spending my time trying to, to beat someone else's time. <laughs> well, the competitive uh, nature, though. it's nice. <laughs> yeah, not not a race as it turns out. There was also a little bit of gaming. So at, when it went into the second day, some people decided to stop respecting the slow zone quite as much and like dove into the slow zone at full speed and started accelerating before they left the slow zone. So it started bringing their times down. Um, whereas I was, you know, I like to pretend I'm a real race car driver. So when I was in the slow zone, I pretended like I was on a pit lane speed limiter 
So yeah. I just said, duh, 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 until you hit the cones and I, you know, hit the, yeah. hit the gear and go. So anyway, I think Don't. I could have brought that time down is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't underestimate competitive, uh, competitive situations. I did for what it's worth. There was enough of a handicap where it's more of an idiot brag than anything. But on the original RS7 launch, they took us to, it was also in Vegas, actually. Um, you get out in the desert and you can allegedly go speeds that really represent these cars, right? So when the first RS7 hit, it had this kind of mind-bending speed. Being out there in Nevada helped. But they took us one night to a, go- a go-kart track. And uh, and we were able, like one of those inside go-kart tracks. And we were able to compete. And we like we did quali. And then we, we did, I think we were doing reverse course. And, uh, and they put me up. I was, Matt pharaoh was on that trip and he was like uh he's like i think we ought to go in reverse quality order so i ended up i guess i was one behind him uh in in the quality but because he said let's go reverse order i was one in front of him and i beat him technically it was not a great passing track so like it was easy to block <laughs> like i'm sure that guy's like matt from what i understand is kind of he's not a professional racer but he does enough track time or like you know he clearly would have been faster than that yeah but he's a bigger guy than me too. So go-karts, you never know. Uh, I'm not exactly yeah, right. Yeah, that helps. So anyway, but but so you you got the fastest time there. Bring up Matt though. I I'm gonna go to a place that like I because I, I know there was a bit of a controversy with with Matt and uh, the, his interpret. If you listen to his podcast, The Smoking Tire, he kind of talked a bit about uh, the the RS Sport differential that's that's standard on on these cars. Uh, correct or is it an option do you know for the u.s car it's standard okay and and what that there's a does... lot of stuff that they selected when they did the package here that maybe might have been optional and in, in the uh basically um i think it's like the performance spec like maybe the, the rs okay. performance in europe that's effectively what our car is okay as the baseline and so these are the latest version of Holdex. So it's a transverse front wheel drive chassis, just like every RS3 and TTRS has been since the beginning of time. Um, and run with a, a hydraulic clutch center diff, which is the Holdex, the basis of the Holdex system. And then at the rear is this RS sport diff that uh, can run um, uh, what? I, I, I think the the question that Matt was had was over the wording of the press release, right? So, like, the, effectively, the, the car, I think, as we understand it now, he had a letter from Audi, so we'll go through that. It, it was, I think, it was 50%, a max 50% to the rear, but then 100% of that rear torque to the outer rear wheel to, to induce oversteer. So um, you're, you're creating this sort of drift machine out of that. So Matt was kind of saying, uh, the, I think he was kind of surmising the, the intent of the wording, which to me is a bit of a reach. So it creates a bit of a controversy. Uh, I don't know that like a PR person writing about a technical spec is, and, and then it being literally edited, it probably uh, translated from German to English at a certain point to, that we would know the intent was to be uh, misleading. I think at the end of the day, it's how the car handles uh, and 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 if it does what is expected to do, I personally never thought a transverse, you know, M M uh, QB car would be a rear wheel drive car, right? So yeah, this, so this car is not a Mustang, right? <laughs> yeah, so. I think there's a couple of points that I would say right away, which is first of all, uh, the intention of this new device is not to make you a drift hero, right? 
that is an interesting side effect and um, and feature. Uh, you know, by selecting this torque mode, you can do drifts. The car will pretend to be a rear-wheel drive car. Um, and but why would you? <laughs> when you know, for example, like uh, you're not going to get a better time on track by running it in that mode. Um, yeah. The all-wheel drive has you're already paying for the weight of the of the all-wheel drive system. You know why not why not use it to its best abilities? Um, so I think it's a bit of a tempest in a teapot to begin with. Um, secondly, I I don't think even Matt's characterization, as you've explained it to me, and I've not listened to the to the uh, podcast, but yeah. um, it still doesn't seem quite right to me. So uh, a couple of things. One is, first of all, um, the, the fact that it's you know no more than fifty to the back doesn't ring true to me at all. Um, for the the whole point of the how the center haldex is to be able to shove back and forth as on demand as needed. Uh, so, for example, when it's in auto mode. The car is darn near a front-wheel drive car. I mean, I, I have not inquired as to what the split is, but in traditional, say, like Mark III Haldex cars, that would be like a 90-10 split would be standard, right? 90% front-wheel drive, 10% yeah. rear-wheel drive as far as your, as far as your, your torque split. So, uh, and it's continuously variable front to back. Um, and in most of the RS cars, you can send, you know, up to X amount to the back. I feel confident in saying the max limit to the rear can't possibly be 50%. Um, uh, first of all, the car wouldn't have drifted just as a, as a general point. I can't, my Haldex on my race car is, is a 50, 50 split by, by standard. You cannot mm. drift that car. Um, because the fronts are scampering, it's going to, you know, counteract any kind of additional thing. So the, I think the bottom line of it and what Audi says, I mean, I've got the document here, at least this one, maybe he was looking at something different, but right. what it says is at the two electronically controlled multi-plate clutches at the rear axle can convey zero to 100% to their respective rear wheel, making full variable torque distribution possible. Right. So uh, they're speaking to the fact that each wheel can do zero to 100% of the available torque to it at the rear. Yeah. At, at the rear. And so again, that depends then how much variable torque is coming back through the back shaft. So right. uh, again, and I, the whole point of this is that you're getting the power to the corners that need it. Can I jump in here? I, Please. I, I, while I'm not driving this car, right? Like I don't, I have plenty of time in all wheel drive Audis with various all wheel drive systems. And so uh, where I'm going with that is, is, you know, you have the, I think the first time Audi really did a rear, this is almost like the sport differential that's in started in the V8s, right? So yep. same thing, you would overdrive that outer rear wheel to create either stability or instability as, as per intent. So you still had in, in those cars, I believe it was a 60, 40 rolling down the road. So like 60 at the rear, 40 at the front, it was a, a effectively a Torsen center diff, uh, not made by Torsen, but effectively mechanically, that's what it was. So mechanical center diff, 
longitudinal car. Uh, so unlike the Haldex, which is computer-controlled hydraulic clutch, this was a mechanical diff. And then at the rear, you had this controllable. I think that was a hydraulic, so sort of could go either way. Yeah. When, when you overdrive that rear outer wheel, you could, depending on how you worked it in the B8s and since, because there are other cars of the of the uh, longitudinal uh, MLB variety that like had uh, have that. And when you do it, if you can either program it so it creates stability, meaning much like ESP uh, does with brakes at any given corner, the, the, the Audi can do it any, really, at the, you know, the, the torque factoring at the rear can do the same thing with throttle. So you're creating stability depending on where your, you know, your hand is on the wheel and where your hand or your foot is on the pedal uh, or which pedal, it can create by overdriving that outer rear oversteer. So like if you're understeering, it will negate that or even overcompensate. Yeah. So it's inducing oversteer. So you could, I wouldn't say you could drift one of those B8s, but it definitely added oversteer and not throttle off, you know, Scandinavian flick yeah. oversteer, but like legit throttle on oversteer to those cars. Yeah. I think so, the B8s with, uh, with enough slip, like if you run a skid pad with water, I think you'd have no, I think you could make it do it, right. but it's not as easy as say this was, I'll tell you that much. So I think what's um, confused, so, what's confused, sorry, ahead. go ahead. Uh, just what's confusing here with Matt and and trying to understand what the letter I think the letter he got I'm going I'm going from like listening to his podcast and my own memory of that I never saw the email he got from Audi after the press launch to kind of explain I think what it said was 50 to the front 50 to the rear and then the rear could apportion 100 either way so let's say you're you know and you're in a left hand turn if you've got 25 and 25 at each front wheel right and pulling the car. And now you're overdriving with the remaining 50 at the rear and overdriving the front wheels, you're going to induce oversteer. Now that's not a like 240SX Nissan Drift King, right? Like that's a that's a an all-wheel drive system in, inducing oversteer to drive with that sort of dynamic, but it's not like you know, you're not in some JDM Drift King car. Like that's not that and the RS3 never purports to be that, right? Like in I, I guess that's why yeah. they kind of lose me or, or the, the critique thing, of it kind of loses me. The thing that I don't quite understand is having driven it on that drift course. If, if 50% were going to the front wheels, I would have noticed that. Okay. And the dynamic. It, first of all, I don't just with my experience driving a 50, 50 split car. Now, again, very much older Haldex versions it just wouldn't it would literally be impossible so I, I think maybe what i don't know I, I i i would really be interested to see it i think but though to get back to the main point of it is this thing allows something that most of its competitors in this class don't which is most of the competitors are using braking in order to uh try to pretend to be torque vectoring right um, and, and here you're able to push as much power to each side as is called for in the moment, which is just makes it a better car, quite frankly, um, and less, uh, burning up of your brakes, your brakes. I would say for me, the takeaway hearing your, like, again, you've got the experience in the Haldex and the, your, your TT track car is not a factory Haldex configuration, right? Like it's got, probably got no. the Haldex. Right. So it's, it's a more rear portion. It's not made for dip. It's a competition. Right. So, so more rear bias than one would experience in, in a, you know, a, a Holdex car on the road. 
And so the, the fact that like, if it's, you've got this firsthand experience in drifting in the car and you've got plenty of track experience driving a competition spec hold X on the track. So like if, if it is, here's where I'll leave it. I, I don't, I wonder if something may have been lost in translation in PR's response to Matt and not being engineering in Germany. And so maybe there's, there's some, some, some incorrect, uh, communications going on on a technical level between uh, between the two but at the end of the day the car is a please correct me if i'm wrong the car is a very believable drifter meaning if it's if it's pulling 50 percent of the, the power at the front wheels it's a port it's delivering it in such a way that it's a very believable drift and 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 requires i guess that's my other question for you i think we touched on this before but i want to go through it in the call because uh, i don't remember specifically how you said it anyway one of my experiences one of the things I don't like about the Mark II R8, which is a, a reverse Holdex, right? Like that's a, a V10, and that system's used in like the Huracan and whatever. But the Mark II R8 is is the the Audi's V10 mid-engined with with Holdex apportioning to the front, and the first gen R8 uh, was a viscous coupling apportioning to the front. So same configuration, just um, just just different center differential. One is one is a mechanical viscous coupling. It spins, creates friction. It locks, sends the, the it's a little slower to react. The whole X is faster. Either way, both cars rear biased because mid-engine engines in the rear. For me, Mark One R8 makes me drift enough, or I can drift enough on a on a course that I believe it and I feel like I'm controlling it. And it's my skill set doing that. Not and I'm when I say drift, I mean you're getting some oversteer and you're kind of riding it. It's not like, again, I'm not like formula drift rolling around a track, you know, burning smoke the whole time, but just enjoying the kind of surfing the oversteer a bit on a circuit. When I have done the Mark II R8 in a similar fashion, it's, I tend to use the word video gaming, right? Like it's a little bit, it makes me so good at it that like, I'm not believing I'm that good, right? Like, so like the car is, the car is doing stuff for me that it thinks I want it to do but that I'm not actually, I'm not that good at holding it that consistently. And, and I think that's where I, 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 I'd be curious on the RS3 is, did you find it was believable? Like it was at video gaming or what, or re, did you feel like you were, it was you doing the work to kind of get that balance when you were doing that RS drift situation? If you're talking about the drift situation, I mean, you know, you're comparing a, a track sort of moment to a drift. This was, I mean, Tristan uh, Herber, who was out there acting as the, as the pro driver, had the car, I'd say, 80% of that course in a full drift. And I'm not talking about a four-wheel, you know, uh, GTR drift or something like that. I mean, right. like a rear end out BMW two wheel drive, you know, rear wheel drive yeah. drift. Um, and so it, it's not uh, in that circumstance. It's not that's not the car. We were we were, you know, ripping it. You know, pulling the if you're doing what you do in in a, in a drift situation, right? Coming in hard diving the nose down and in while hitting, you know, hitting the accelerator in manual mode to kick the back end out while it, while the car is in balance so that you can, you know, keep it then in balance as you go through it. It, it. There's nothing that the 
I did not feel like the torque splitter was doing much work to do that. I mean, quite frankly, I think the car still, um, like you said, it's not a 240 SX. Like the car doesn't necessarily want to do it. (laughs) So you're able to easily override it. And I'd say that's one of the interesting dynamics of this car is that it doesn't, it doesn't drive like a lot of the, obviously you mentioned before, like I sit right seat in a lot of Audis and a lot of stock Audis, quite frankly, um, at our track events. And this car doesn't drive like, uh, like I would expect it, uh, any of those other cars do. I will tell you though, to go back to your, I have a hard time thinking of it in video gaming. And I think maybe it's just the difference in our driving experiences in that I'm constantly seeking faster times versus maybe raw input. So to me, what I feel is whatever trickery it's doing, the car is more stable, which allows me to make it exaggerate more. So what it means is I can pitch it harder into the corner and, you know, and a stock S4 from three years ago, what I was doing out there on the track on this car would put me spinning off the track. Hmm. Um, but in this car, I was able to throw it around much more like, you know, one of our race cars um, because it, it really did reward being aggressive. With it. And, and some of that is the car being smart. Um, first of all, the transmission's wonderful. It was like driving... The the S-Tronic in that, honestly, did not feel particularly distinct to me from the S-Tronic in the R8 that I drove, you know, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, the the shifts are pop, pop, pop. I mean, just nothing. Uh, It's that same same hero feel like you're driving a real race car, quite frankly. (laughs) There's no, you know, there's no, uh, they're instantaneous. Um, Apparently, it's the same S-Tronic that was in the last RS3, but with a better... Is that I'm going to butcher, butcher this, but the mechatronic. Um, uh, so it allowed the shifts are much faster than cool. they were in the last generation. I think that's yeah. I don't mean to, I, and I don't mean to beat up on the Please. R8 Mark II, right? Like it's it, when I say video gaming, I mean it more as like sometimes there are cars that like make me better than I am. I don't know that I don't see that as a bad thing, and especially in a position of like on the real road it's i look outside and it's raining pretty hard right now in a heavy storm especially or in the snow uh i've had cars like that save my bacon more than once and i appreciate that right but like i think on a track where um for me i i prefer the r8 mark one just because it kind of made me it was a little bit more on me to be that good right and and so i guess that's where i was wondering if um you know, if, if, if you, if you found you had to, to be that good or you like some, the already, I don't know, it just seemed the Mark two just seemed like it was coming at me too easily. Right. Like if I got into Gran Turismo or Forza and was like, all right, do this. And then I was a drift gang. Right. Like, and I'm, and I'm not in real life a drift gang. Right. Like I can play with a little bit of yeah. oversteer and that's fun. But like at the end of the day, I, I've, I've, you know, I start writing checks. My, my skills can't cash and, and, uh, and learning those, those nuances are, are rewarding. And so I, I, I guess that's why I'm asking, right? Like I, I, it's, it seemed like the first time we spoke about it, 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 uh, you've, if I recall, you said that like, it was, you found yourself having to correct, like, like it was on you, right? Like it wasn't just delivering it to you because it thought you wanted to drift. 
Yeah. Well, so one thing I'll I'll say too, you put this thing in manual mode, and it will not shift for you. Oh, it really? Will not upshift. It'll sit there at red line, and you'll hit the rev limiter, and it'll cut power or whatever else. It will not shift. It will not upshift. It will not kick down. You know, if you get really hard on it, and it will not kick down to lower gear. It will not. It will not drop gear. Uh, I think it will drop gears to avoid stall. That's the only thing I can recall it it doing. But to that end, it meant I could make a mistake in this car, which is not something that you get a lot. So, you know, I was chasing Tristan around the track. He, meanwhile, was in our (laughs) uh, um, torque rear mode going around the track. And, you know, it was getting loose. It was getting loose. It was not fixing it for him. Um, and even in, in RS individual, um, a lot of the ESC is automatically off, like, um, and, uh, you know, it's on you to, to, to save the car. Um, and to that end, like, you know, I might miss a shift. I've ruined one of my laps just by, you know, missing a three, four. Um, and, uh, uh, so it's the car, it doesn't feel like something where it's like intervening a lot and, and causing, you know, uh, you know, it was not boring to drive. Let me put it that way. It was definitely something that allowed me to, to really throw it around and, and yeah, was it maybe making adjustments? I mean, that rear torque splitter allows me to be more quick around the freaking track, right? To me, that's the, the. I think the pinnacle, we know the way this car was explained to me by somebody internally was that like, we know it's probably the last RS three. And so we threw a party, right? Like it it was, we're going to make the coolest, you know, throw everything at it and, and go, go the whole way because it's, it's, we want to sort of go out with a bang, right? Like that this car is before the, the electric transition happens. uh, This is sort of the pinnacle of, of, of them. And, you know, who knows how that may, uh, whether or not that continues or w- may come to be the last, but, but regardless, um, they wanted to be that good. And, and I've heard very good things about it. So I think that's where, to me, it's like, I don't expect it to be a 240 SX or three, you know, E E 30 drift car, right? Like I, or a Miata yeah. or whatever I, but I, but if it, if, if it's, I don't even mind if it's making up from my, my lack of skill in doing it. Like I just want, I, I still want to be learning from it though. Right. And so yeah. that's why I, yeah why i said that i would i would drive this car on the track like i would enjoy it it was i mean you know obviously we're never satisfied with every single component of it it's still a street car that they still have to make it legal for street and everything else there's still a few little things but i'll tell you it's the least compromised stock audi i think i've ever really outside of the r8 world that i've ever driven um uh uh and you know, I just think about how stable it was, ESC off, I'm throwing it out to these outside corners. I'm also, by the way, trying not to ball up one of the only like eight US spec RS3s in the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, these literally the cars we had out there are all are 100% of the US spec cars, I think even produced. So, so what do they say when they're hitting, you know, when they're expecting them in market? They, 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 I thought, my recollection is they said the hope is late summer they've got to crank them out for all over the world and 
you know, get them in queue. And I mean, I think someone I heard say, and this is totally unconfirmed and where else thought maybe we get a couple hundred this year. Right. Um, right. On the other so hand, 20, I don't know how many of these years. 22. 22s. Right. And then 23 hits usually in like August or September. Which, anyway, 23 is hit. So frankly, we weren't even sure we were going to get a 22. So uh, it's pretty impressive that they even think they're going to get some of these in country. Um, right. uh, I think it's a, but I, I really, I would say, you know, the one thing I did not do is I did not get in the backseat. I can't talk about the backseat, but I'm sure anyone who has any A3 series car can speak to that. Right. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. Um, you know, like a B5 S4 back there. Right. Uh, but otherwise I thought it was a great comfortable car. The styling is interesting. I think it looks, uh, it is interesting to think about it in terms of something that is up against maybe an M2 and you can see kind of some of the aggression, uh, especially on a side view, you can see some of the body sculpting that, um, that, you know, makes it, makes it look a bit more, I'll say that, um, I think the, the rear spoiler is standard. Um, I, I like a lot of looks. The lighting is really cool. Um, you know, it, it does all the RS animation stuff that you guys are used to and, and some of the other cars. Um, it has the app, it does have the full active, active matrix LED light. So if, uh, we get the go ahead here from NHTSA, um, perhaps we'll, we'll see them. I don't know on. if you've seen, have you seen the animation by the way? So yeah, that light that you're looking at right there, the right. checker flag. As you walk up to the car, that reads out RS3 and then puts the checker flag up. That's cool. <laughs> Adi's doing some, some cool stuff with lights. I, I, I'll tell you, I, where I'm at, I think what the challenge for uh, Mark yeah. Lichty and the Audi design team is like where we are today with production and the capabilities of 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 these manufacturers and and the sort of modern cars in a lot of ways have become very cartoonish and uh, particularly yeah. a lot of a lot of um traditionalists in the audi brand may harken like the you know the, the old Bauhaus era of like you think of like b5 which was pretty simple or b6 which got a bit avant-garde but still very kind of understated and subtle in it's in in the delivery there's modern Hot. RS cars. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the RS6, RS7, or this car now, like they're very in your face, very, you know, you see these sort of like uh, texturing of the, the carriers over the grill type of hexagonal stuff and, and, um, and these sort of vents and, and uh, louvers and stuff that like it's, um, they're, they're compared to the old days of Audi, probably a bit cartoonish, but at the end of the day, uh, this is where the market is, right? Like, I think the traditionalist in me kind of almost prefers the S3 because of it's it's not quite as kind of like, look at me, you know what I mean? But then you look at these flares well, and you look at that that kind of... Let me... Button. Sorry, go ahead. Let me provide the, the counterpoint on that, which yeah. is to say, if we think of it as trying to reflect the lineage of those race cars that we talked yeah, about. Fair point. That, I mean, yeah. box flares are, you know, I just spent the morning down at MGP, look, you know, around all the TCR cars. You want to talk about box flares right. <laughs> on a car. Um, uh, you know, I think that they're trying to speak to some of that, to some of that uh, width and everything else, right? And and give a little bit of uh, idea of like the, the, the track being wider, right? And yeah. uh, no. I will tell you too, surprisingly, 
for all the venting on it, it's almost all functional. Having sat next to that car in 104 degree heat after running the heck out of it, it the thing has to use all kinds of air. It's got to gulp air like crazy. Every one of those things, unlike a lot of modern cars right now, those huge side vents there are totally functional. Um, and most of that front grille is actually open <laughs> and usable. So uh, there's not a ton of blocking. You can see sort of where maybe the um, the, cra the crash guard is. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the front a little bit because I think this is divisive. I'm glad you're showing that. If you can go back to that picture. Do you mind? Right. I'll jump to the, um, here we go. Do this because we can get it tighter on it with better lighting. There you go. So when you, yeah, when you get here, you can see all the texture. Some of the photos I'd posted that people were commenting on sort of wash it out. And it looks like it's just a big gaping maw there. But uh, what I'll say is uh, two things. One is I, I think uh, maybe my one critique here for, for this design of this car is Part of it is the black optic uh, package, which they decided to put on as default in the front here, has mm. created more black space than is necessary. I kind of wish that there was an option to even just frame the inside of the large grill with a strip of chrome or something, right? And right. I'm sure the aftermarket will take care of things. Um, but to just differentiate it a bit more, when you get up on it, you can see all the different textures and it seems much more reasonable, but it washes out. Here's the other point I'll make though. I wonder whether Audi is inuring us to what electric cars are going to look like in the front. I don't mm. know if anyone else has noticed this lately, but there is a lot of huge black space or empty space, negative space on the fronts of a lot of the new electric cars yeah um or e even GT. you know your toyotas right now look like this right um well the e-tron well, e gt has that sort of that same you see how so much of the fascia the front fascia of this car is black and then you have the grill and on the e-tron gt you have this sort of reverse like the instead of the grill you have a shield which is textured that kind of looks like a grill but it's color matched. And so they did the, on this car, then that would be yeah. green, right? But it kind of breaks up that big, just black space at the front of the car. I agree with you. If this were green, like we're looking at a green car now, if this were yeah. green, it would mu look much more like the nose of like the RS6, RS7, uh, and, and, and would be probably much more cohesively of that family. It almost looks like, you know, with the RSQ8, they have similar like that big black area and it's carbon. They can do with some accenting. I don't see any carbon on these. Maybe that's an option at some point. Yeah. So the other thing I think will help immediately is just some chrome rings. Yeah. Going black optic on the rings there. It's just another space. And, you know, look, you know me. I love my black cars. My Q8 is black over black, black optic. <laughs> Right. Blacked out all over the place, um, black rings, everything else. But the way that it's framed looks a little better. So, yeah. So you look, you know, unfortunately, the fisheye giveth and the fisheye taketh away yeah. here. There, it looks totally reasonable. And I'll tell you again, in person, it's not nearly as monsterish. <laughs> well, uh, hey, I mean, modern, mo I would say since like the, the kind of volumey kind of when, when Wolfgang Egger was doing like some Wolfgang Egger's design era starts around like Mark two T like Mark two, Mark three TT Mark two R eight. 
um, that era. And you start getting these, uh, these volumes, the Mark, the Mark II Q7. Yeah. And, and he's working with these like shapes that are sort of like interacting and, but you have this other complex body surfacing stuff going on. Now, Lichty has really evolved that and made it a little more smooth and, and um, de- there's a lot more detail going on, et cetera, um, as well. So he does a lot more of these like kind of part, like, I don't know what you would call them, vents or strakes or whatever. But but like at the end of the day, they're all very complex designs that that it's always interesting to me from a photography standpoint, they're not easy to photograph because like the, mm-hmm. the with the right angle, they look amazing. And in person, they always look great, right? But like yep. the wrong angle in photography looks awkward at times. And especially like that hexagonal grill, you can kind of see it. We've got the shot of the the, the RS6 kind of coming, or sorry, the RS3 at, coming at you. The, the if this is even like hexagonal, it almost looks like interlocking, interlocking kind of rounded, almost like a stretched four rings. The, um, the, the challenge when you stretch it over a grill like that is it, it, it tends to like, again, depending on the lens, depending on the angle, it will like almost make it look like it's warped or like, it doesn't look that way in person. Your eyes kind of correct because you're seeing it in the, in from the angle you're seeing it, but like in, in, through a camera, you need to be careful with it because it, you can make the car look yeah. much more awkward than it looks in person. And, um, you know, the more you shoot it, you start to figure out the good angles and you go after those. But sometimes, especially when you're talking PR shots or wide angles that are kind of going to, you know, really pronounce the edge of the, of the, 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 the shot, it's, it makes them look odd. Right. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, no, I think, I, I think people give it a chance and I think a little bit of, Honestly, a little bit of aftermarket will take care of yeah. take care of this problem. I, I'll tell you, I think you're spot on with the race car thing too. Like he always says, like Trans Am and GTO are kind of like his favorite cars of of their heritage. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. It really those cars are are cartoonish as well, right? Like they're so, they're so animated, they're so um, just out there and in your face. And I'll tell you, like where maybe it is maybe this is it too like i, I while i like i think i like the s3 for its subtlety i've seen a couple shots of like the, i haven't yet seen it in person but i've seen a couple shots of the the tcr spec rs3 right like what's <laughs> even more crazy fenders and i'm looking at that like man that bodywork on a road rs3 would be phenomenal i'm sure it would, like it wouldn't do like pedestrian crash tests and it would i'm sure that all these things are like you nine we can't do that but like it looks amazing. So yeah, it's um, bonkers. Yeah. It's bonkers. But I'll tell you, you know, just so we don't think we're overstating it here, in person, it's far more subtle, right? I mean, the, the surfacing is still way more subtle than an M2. Um, and also, there's not a bunch of fake vents nonsense all over it. I don't know where else you want to go. There's a couple other little things that are floating around in my head that I want to talk about performance wise. Sure. Um, uh, so the carbon ceramics are, are an option. Um, just like, you know, in so many other places, I only got to experience the carbon ceramics. They are amazing. Really? I mean, absolutely bonkers good. Um, I can see why people like them for the track. Even I'm sure it's really expensive to run them as consumables on the track. Um, but wow. I mean, just, you know, no fade. I, I was, I was hammering on it on their, you know, whatever stock pads as if it were, you know, my race pads, um, it, I could really get the thing just pulled down no fade and great great at big the time you know, you yeah, no no fade at all um yeah. and the great big six pistons you know i don't know if part of the reason why they had their little slow down chicanes and stuff was to sort of give the brakes a little bit of a, a cool down and maybe uh cap our 
top speeds and some of the straights um, so that maybe they weren't, you know, hammering it. And given that the car was getting run all day long with a bunch of people driving it who's, who don't own those cars. So I think that was, uh, it was really good. Uh, so I really, really like those. I mean, you can also just get the steel, the steels at the same caliber, still six piston. Uh, really, really solid. Uh, I want to give a shout out for the the DCC, the new dynamic control uh, system for the suspension. It was comfortable when you need to be comfortable, and yet on track felt great. Um, you know, certainly head and shoulders above any other sort of stock car. The um, one other thing I'll tell you that made it feel really good is that as compared to the you know, S3 or or, or uh, A3, it's an extra degree of camber in the front and actually half degree of camber in the back, um, mm. which, uh, you know, obviously helps turn in a lot more on, on track and, uh, and just really made the car very stable. And even like straight line road at high speeds, the car tracks perfectly straight. There's no drama to it at all. Really very interesting car to me. I mean, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, do I need one of these? I feel like this could be really fun to have. I'm also worried. I live in the state of Virginia and I'm quite worried that I might end up in a night in jail yeah. if I got one of these. Um, I'm sure you understand that with your car. Um, so, oh, for, for the record, for those who don't live in Virginia, it's not fun for car enthusiasts. You, you, were, as I understand it, you, you as a Virginia native uh, or resident get filled. If you get pulled over speeding the fine is higher for you than it is for me as a Pennsylvania resident, but you also have car tax and you also have 20 over is like, uh, I think Jalopnik famously on a Camaro launch ended up at like in jail, but like I, I got pulled over in lower Virginia for, I went to pass a truck who was like signaling for me for to go around. So I just jammed around him, um, in an a seven, uh, just as fast as I could got back in and let off gas. And it almost seemed like it was like a, like a like a trap, if you will, because like a honeypot. Because here comes a a, a a police car the other way, running laser, and I was he got me, and he, he 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 gave me a summons, and I said, "What does that mean?" And he said, "Well, I'm doing you a favor because I could be taking you to the Justice of the Peace right now and and impounding that car, but uh, instead you have to come back and stand before the judge and you know whatever." Yeah, like, I mean, if I remember correctly, at twenty over, they can actually cut up your license on the spot um so anyway yeah. yes so it's, it's certainly a, a concern and yes as you point out jail uh spending a night in jail is is a total possibility particularly if you get pulled over on the weekend yeah i think right so the weekend in the jail I remember correctly it was patrick george he used to be their editor-in-chief and he, he was on a like i don't know if it was a zl1 but it was a camaro launch and they were down there and yeah he ended up in jail at least he got a story yeah. out of it i suppose yeah but <laughs> exactly no. yeah so uh yeah anyway it was very very pleasant to drive and still, you know, very, um, capable. That's fantastic, man. I appreciate the, uh, the input. I think we're beyond the embargo, right? The embargo was up yesterday, yes. so we can, we can run this at will, but, um, we'll, we'll have a further write up in the next issue of the magazine. I know you're working yep. on that and probably some of this photo, the photography we've been showing you, uh, in this podcast will be in there. Is there anything else I can answer? How's the, how's the interior? Cause I know like the, um, the the first A3. So when they came out with the first A3 sedan, which would have been the second A3 here in the US, the the intent was to make it a B5 
package, right? Like, so the old B5, A4, S4, RS4, which is the, the first A4, it was this kind of magical size that was luxurious, but relatively manageable size-wise, right? It wasn't getting as big as some of the modern, like RS6 is just a big car, right? So, yeah. so this is, I think about that same size. The, uh, what I, my beef with the old A3 and RS3 is just, they almost went, as much as I was complaining about the simplicity of like yearning for the simplicity again of the, those old exteriors, the A3 was almost so streamlined inside that it was like almost too simple, right? Like other than that cool screen that raised out of the dash, it was, it was very, very, um, yeah, streamlined. So, so this car is virtual cockpit. It's it, it reminds me. I mean, it's very similar to my Q8 and your RS6 interior. Um, you know, the screens are the same. Um, all the controls are you know just like ours. You know carplay in that um uh, i will say that some of the controls are still switch gear on the dash um these seats are fantastic they're they they're good. very good bolstering but also comfortable um so uh i'll say you know get these other, yeah you've got the sort of the the length you know you're taking that uh the long venting just yeah. like uh uh in, in some of the modern yeah, uh, creates everything else. Parks, it's super nerd. Do you know what it harks back to? Uh, I do, but you go ahead and tell because C2, I got C two five thousand, the boxy one. Yeah, exactly. And I get to I get to see the one that's sitting in a pile on your floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So did they not improve much more? So you can see, you know, it's a pretty standard oh, yeah. switch gear, comfortable place. The steering wheel is very nice. The interior is very nice. Yeah, plenty. You actually have the nice doors, like our our current uh, generation. You can actually put water bottles in the doors. <laughs> um, uh, useful. I saw some people complaining about the gear shift, but it's fine. Mm. I don't understand what the story is with it's, it. It's it's almost like that little thing, like what they're putting in the nine eleven, the the kind yeah, of DSG nine elevens yeah. nowadays. Yep. I mean, all you're doing anyway is just pulling it back once to throw it into drive, right? If you right. want to go into manual mode, you do that on the on the on the steering wheel. I mean, let's be um, frank. I, the, the, a shift knob looking thing for a DSG car anyway is a bit of a prop, right? Like it's not really it's pointless. It's not really doing that much. I still like the aesthetic of it, uh, of the shift knob. Like this is um, I think it's more the, the the further it gets from the purest car, right? Like the purest or the purest in in individual may may miss it. But when you have cars like the but, 911 or like a lot of the modern Ferraris have shifters, you know, like it doesn't get much more sporty in market or authentic in performance cars than like Ferrari or Porsche. So like, you know, it is. Well, what at it what is. point are you just holding on to nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, right? Right. When you yeah. have progress uh, again when the manual shifting is done on the steering wheel, why do you need a shifter? Like, yeah, you know, at least it makes sense where you pull it back for, for drive, right. And push it forward for reverse. So, uh, you know, they are trying to, to pay attention there. Um, but I, I felt that the interior is very nice. I didn't feel like it was down market at all for, you know, being, again, they point this out. This is, this is the entry, you know, this is the accessible, car yeah. right the, this this gener this this um, family of cars yeah the approachable exactly exactly and this is the rs version of it right so um as you can see the difference the big difference between say 
ours and our, our cars and this is you don't have the um the the third screen below the below the uh the main screen there right um and so you do still have push buttons for a lot of the um uh, Josh, hvac for example. i don't mind push buttons are you know no it's fine yeah i mean look i love the screen on mine i think it's actually the best iteration they've done of it but here this is super useful. You can do it with your, you know, without looking down. I mean, it, it works great. Um, oh, one other thing I want to plug for. This is random, but the yeah. the accelerator, um, the weight of it feels great. Like oh, it's really? really for being, you know, everything's drive by wire, right? Um, it actually has resistance to it, as if it were somehow mechanically connected. Um, and actually, when you go all the way down, there's a little indent at the very bottom once you're on like full full wide open um and it's 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 really quite a good good feel pedal feel for the braking was great i mean i you know i really really enjoyed driving it it's a rad car hopefully hopefully uh you run the launch but they'll still i'd love to try and i don't know see if we can't get our hands on one of these for a week to just kind of get a little more daily life in or for sure um, yeah we'll see but um but very cool car. We are trying to, we're trying very hard to procure one for the sweepstakes. We'll see if that happens or maybe something else, but uh, it's such a, such a, uh, a cool thing. So. All right, sir. I think that's it, man. I appreciate the time and you going through the trip uh, with me. I understand you got to spend some time with Garbus and, and uh, some other uh, yep. of the Audi folks out there. Uh, Audi tradition I heard was on site and not surprising given those cars. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great to get to, to talk to Timo and, and, you know, thank him for bringing the cars to the country, frankly. And then exciting for me to see these things, which are, you know, hero cars really. Right. Um, hopefully we'll get to see them again sometime this year at another event. Um, keep your eyes open, everybody. Uh, yeah. because they may show up someplace near you. Well, I don't know exactly where they're going to be, uh, or when I suspect Monterey is a, um, is a very yeah. likely space for them to show up. So more, listen more for more news on that later, I suppose. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for your time today. I know you got yeah, a lot absolutely. of things going on, so I appreciate you fitting time in. Of course, anytime. We'll talk, we'll talk other cars someday in the future. Yeah, sounds good.